It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning to you. Glad you are here. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. You know that. I'm Ashley Frasca, hosting Green and Growing. You may know that, too. It's been about a year and a half, almost, I think, exactly. A year and a half I've been doing this show. Walter Reeves had the Lawn and Garden Show for 26 years, and I took over uh, February of last year. I suppose it was, I think it was February 1st last year. So having a blast, hosted a show through a pandemic. Who knew that would happen? But that actually uh, introduced folks to gardening and really made gardening quite popular, and I'm so proud of that. So any question, anything at all, nothing is off the table. 404-872-0750 that you want to ask. Up first is Rebecca with a comment about azaleas. Hey, Rebecca, good morning. Uh, good morning. I just wanted to say my dad has always told me to take the longest limb at the bottom uh-huh. of an azalea and take the leaves off the end, scratch off of some of the bark okay. on that limb, and then... What he does is he buries it in the area around next to the um, azalea Mm -hmm. and lets it grow, weighs it down and lets it grow that way. And he always has very good luck doing that. I mean, you could also put it in a pot, I guess, like you were saying. But I just thought that might give it a little bit better of a chance because it's still getting all the nutrients from the other plant. You're absolutely right. Air layering is a great method as well. So in this case, we don't want to cut the limb off the plant. It does stay attached to the parent plant. But when you scrape that bark, it's leaving kind of a vulnerable wound that's going to come in contact with the dirt. And that way it can Mm -hmm. establish its own roots. And I mean, Rebecca, tried and true, if it worked for your dad and it's worked for, you know, generations, I think that's a great way, too, to propagate azalea. So hopefully the earlier caller is still listening and that's that's a great option, too. But of course, if it's not in your yard and you've got to take the cutting from someone else, you've got the option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But no, Rebecca, I really appreciate that. That is another great method. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. I'm so glad you called. Yes. Air layering. That works on a lot of things. Um, People have had success, hydrangeas and azaleas and all kinds of things doing it that way. So yeah, like I said, if it's worked for your parents and your grandparents, my goodness, who am I to say? And Mark Banta, I bet you have probably air layered a plant or two in your time. Maybe so. Hey, good morning, Ashley. <laughs> Sometimes maybe by accident because I haven't kept them pruned back enough, so they, they, they fall over and hit the ground. I've got a, a crazy um, giant Magnolia Grandiflora doing that out in front of my house right now, and I'm like, wait a second. I Am a I doing this plant. on purpose? Yeah, let's just play it that way. Yes, exactly. I'm so <laughs> glad to have you on. President and CEO of the Piedmont Park Conservancy, and we've been friends for a number of years through Walter, and it's always great to hear your voice and have you on and oh, your garden so knowledge is so helpful. I knew you would be able to transition right into that. <laughs> yes, thank you. Well, it's great to be here. Always enjoy, and you're doing such a great job with the show, so congratulations on that. It seems like just yesterday, but in another way, it seems like you've been there for a good long time, so congratulations on the show. Thank you. Time is a funny thing, yeah, because, I mean, it does seem like just yesterday you were able to come in studio with me when I would guest host for Walter, and, you know, then, you know, it feels like, yeah, I've been doing every Saturday morning, really, with Walter, if you add it up, eight, nine years it's been, so, mm-hmm. ah, so much, I've learned so much, and love the callers, love the listeners, and really, Folks like you in the city who are very influential and very knowledgeable are such a big 
part of the show as well. And Piedmont Park, we all know it. We all love it. It has such a storied history here for native Atlantans who have such fond memories of growing up there, making new memories, millennials and everybody in the city now. Uh, Y'all have done some fantastic things and overcome some challenges too. But uh, talk about how Piedmont Park is flourishing and coming back from a pandemic. Oh, yeah. Ashley, it's such an amazing story. I guess it's somewhat Atlanta's story. Uh, the P- Piedmont Park, through this pandemic, uh, never, ever closed. It's been wide open the entire time. And some people, that freaked out a little bit, but other people said, wait a second. We're talking about social distancing, which they now have <laughs> dropped that term. But, you know, people wanting to be far enough apart because we didn't know that much about it. But what we did know is over almost 200 acres, you can really spread out and walk or jog or get the dog out, uh, keep from uh, committing uh, some type of, of, of craziness to your spouse or significant <laughs> other. Um, so, you know, it was a place of, of respite. It was a place of san- uh, a sanctuary for people to keep their, their sanity. Mm-hmm. And uh, it never, ever let up. Um, Ashley, it's just been a real success story. And now as things have reopened and the camps are back open, the pool's back open, by golly, the Peachtree Road Race is finishing two mornings uh, here uh, today and tomorrow. It's just a wonderful, great news story for the city and for the Piedmont Park Conservancy. And I love following you guys on Instagram, too, because there are just fabulous stories shared. People get engaged at the park. People have family reunions in the park because they've you know, been away from their families over the course mm-hmm. of the last year. And, of course, dog pictures. We love our pets at Piedmont <laughs> Park. Talk about yeah. um, a what is it? Splish Splash Doggy Bash. That is one of the coolest things. I, I, I'm not allowed to have favorites, but I got to tell you, <laughs> when the doggies take over the pool at the end of the at the end of the swim season uh, in in October, it is, and it's like that. I don't have the exact dates right here in my mind, but I think it's that that first weekend of October. And it is, I come, I don't care, unless I'm out of town, like way, way out of town, I come back and, and take videos and pictures of it because it is fantastic to let the dogs take over the pool. And there's music and, and vendors there, and they get their little treat bags. But it's a fantastic fun event and a good fundraiser for the Conservancy as well. Now, and, and that's really important that you brought that up, Mark, because this, this park is so central to the city of Atlanta, but obviously it, it can't be run for nothing, right? So you do have to have help and support of the community. Y'all have had some awesome fundraisers that you're known for. Um, things may look a little different this year, but what, what I perked up at a few weeks ago was hearing about the Picnic for the Park fundraiser, and it's in the evening. It's coming up really soon, July 14th. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that, and it's open to all of us. What's involved? What do we do? It is, and, and, and thank you for that comment, because there are two primary fundraisers, Landmark Luncheon that you and Walter have actually been to before, and then uh, what we used to have, Party for the Park, and we're mm-hmm. going to do that again. That one was always in the fall. This year we flip-flopped them, and Landmark's going to be in the fall on September the 14th. But this one that's coming up on July 14th is a new one. It's a new take on uh, Party for Piedmont Park, and it'll be a picnic, an evening picnic. It'll include custom insulated picnic basket, um, and it's going to be catered food. We're going to have cocktails, a DJ. And folks, we've got a we've got a, a gathering area. If people are familiar, what we call the promenade, which is right next to the parking mm-hmm. deck, 
Uh, it's a great spot. We've done the symphony up there before. We've done our, our plays up there before. But that's where we're going to have the picnic, and people will pick up their basket from Magnolia Hall, and they can go out somewhere else in the park, like next to the lake, or they can come up and listen to the music and, and have their, their drinks. Um, so we're really, really excited about it. And, of course, all the proceeds actually go to benefit the upkeep, maintenance, and beautification of, of Piedmont Park. A lot of people know about the big events, the Jazz Festival in Dogwood, and, and we love those events. They are signature events, but that's not how the park's actually funded. The, the park's funded, the Conservancy's funded uh, through donor support and through these fundraisers. And Piedmont Park, it's a really large area to upkeep, so you're right. There's a lot involved in that. How many acres? It's, it's just under 200 acres, wow. and uh, we've got an expansion uh, potential. The city's already invested right there on the corner of Monroe and Piedmont. Uh, but when we get that done, we'll be over 200 acres. We're just under 200 acres right now. Congratulations. That's big news. It is. It's kind of old news at this point, but we're, we've got to acquire uh, a little more property, as does the gardens, and then we'll, we'll tag team the fundraising for that. But that's around the corner just a little bit, but we're still excited about that potential. So what is sooner rather than later, Picnic for the Park, that is coming up the evening of July 14th, and uh, you can go to PiedmontPark.org. When you go to PiedmontPark.org, it's right there on the homepage. You can't miss it to buy tickets and all of that. And I have my calendar open right this moment, Mark, and I wrote down <laughs> the landmark lunch September 14th. Yeah, you got them both. Yeah, and so important that. to us. If people believe in Piedmont Park, uh, that's really, really uh, important for people to participate and support us through those those methods. Absolutely. And one more thing before I let you go. Today is Saturday, which would typically be a great day for the green market. Now, this Saturday is an exception because of the July 4th holiday and the running of the Peachtree Road Race for two days this weekend rather than just one. But typically, green market there at Piedmont Park on Saturdays. Tell us about that. It. It's always ranked as one of the top. It's not necessarily the biggest, but it's always one of the top green markets when, when the readers and listeners rank these things. Uh, and it's just because of the excellent job. The local farmers, there's bakers there, artesian goods. Um, they've got some uh, frozen seafood now, fresh frozen seafood. You can get milk, eggs, uh, and, of course, the produce everybody likes. But our, we've got a new green market manager who's actually a farmer himself. Uh, Mary Yetter uh, finally retired, uh, so, but we're, we've just got an excellent one. It's right there at the 12th Street Gate. You're in beautiful Piedmont Park, and it's so convenient and just a really, really great experience. I think that sounds fantastic. So you're up early listening to the show, obviously, so I know you can make it every Saturday, except for today, uh, 9 to 1 at the park, and that's typically what, Mark, is like March to November, about when it starts to get cold. Exactly, right? March through November, okay. and there's just... On occasion, when we've got the great big Class A uh, festivals, those are the ones over 50,000, things like Music Midtown, those are the only times we close the green market. Otherwise, it's consistently open so people don't have to wonder. Well, I appreciate you being on today and kind of filling us in on some exciting news and always looking for volunteers as well so folks can do all of that and get involved. Uh, PiedmontPark.org. Mark Banta, really enjoy catching up with you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much, Ashley, and we look forward to talking to you again one day soon. It'll be in person, sir. Next time I, I, I have you wait. on the show, you will be in the studio. I miss you. <laughs> uh, I miss you, too. Appreciate right. you.
Thanks. Have a great weekend, Mark. Thanks, Ashley. And for the rest of you who are in and around Piedmont Park and maybe waiting for some family runners for the Peachtree Road Race, what what a great thing to enjoy. Love it. All right. Great calls coming up. Uh, 404-872-0750 and then Pike Nursery to talk to us at the bottom of the hour about some landscape design tips dealing with all this rain. Stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. Scott Slade here on your WSB Weekend. Enjoy Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca and Dave Baker's Home Fix-It this morning on 95.5 WSB. The WSB News Team, meteorologist Kirk Mellish and I will be here Monday morning with Atlanta's Morning News. Here's Ashley. Thank you, Scott. So you're waking up to a beautiful sunny day. It's going to be nice for your July 4th Independence Day holiday weekend plans. Today, mostly sunny, 85 degrees. Tomorrow, much the same. Highs around 90s. We may not see rain showers again until midweek. So keep that in mind. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. 404-872-0750. Up next, it's Gene. Good morning, Gene. Thanks for calling. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm fine. I want to commend you uh, on some advice you gave me. Uh, I have Zeon Zorzia, and I had a problem with it growing. So um, this is back in March when he recommended I take some of the limbs off of the trees. Mm-hmm. So I went out and rented the machine, pruned the trees up about 30 feet, and my grass has never been this good since I've been there. Boy, look at you. And you saved yourself a heap of cash, too, because you didn't have to take down the entire tree. I mean, that could be thousands of dollars, you know? Well, and then you have to get an arborist to come in and make recommendations. But I rented, uh, it was a little, I, I'm pretty savvy when it comes to machinery, but I rented this machine that kicks in about 45 feet in the air. Okay. And I just took my pole saw and trimmed them up, but I'm getting about seven, maybe eight hours of sunlight, and my Xeon is just, it's just beautiful. Love it. Now, what's your, what's your part of your routine that makes the zoysia so successful? Like, if you had to tell other, you know, lawn owners one thing that's crucial to do for its success, what would you say? I would say sunlight and water. Okay. So do you have a sprinkler system? How do you go about that? Yeah, I have a sprinkler system, but the only little, uh, I guess, caveat to it is I'm getting mold now, little mold patches. I, I rake them out with rake, and that seems to be uh, working. Mm-hmm. But... I, you know what? It's like roses. Smell the rose, which got to deal with the thorns. So. Yeah, right. I mean, overall, the health of the lawn is good. It's nice and green. Gene, I'm so proud of you, and I'm really glad. I'm, I'm really glad you took the time to call and let me know that it worked out. Yep, it did. And I did apply uh, nitrogen. Uh, Pike recommended I put some nitrogen on it uh-huh. during the month of June. And he said you, if you could use something that's organic, uh, so I put it, put it down, and it's nice and plush. I want to say thank you, and keep up the good work. Thank you very, very much, Gene. That means a lot. Thank you very much. And for those of you that want to be as successful as Gene, I've got a tip for you with your lawn. Go to WalterReeves.com. Walter's still very active on the website. WalterReeves.com. Type in Lawn Care Calendar at the upper right-hand corner when you get there lawn care calendar you're going to see a calendar for every lawn that's common here in georgia fescue bermuda centipede not not so common but still zoysia and you can print that calendar out and you'll know just like gene does what time of year to fertilize when it's going to be best to do a pre-emergent or if you need to seed or sod or something like that he's got that all timed out for you and then it's just going to become routine folks once you learn it gene i really appreciate the call we have more calls coming up in pike nursery in less than 10 minutes stay tuned it's green and growing on ws Oh, yeah, the grass is green. I'm 
It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. All right, 30 minutes left to go. You're hearing a lot of news about the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Congratulations to everybody that participated today. We got another round tomorrow as well, so all the festivities getting underway between Buckhead and Midtown Atlanta for your Independence Day holiday. All right, so you have come to know this time of the show. Every Saturday, we're joined by someone very knowledgeable from Pike Nurseries, and this is a wonderful topic, one that we've not had before. I've got Brian Albini with me, registered landscape architect with Pike Nursery. Brian, you've been on the show before. Welcome back. Thanks, Ashley. Love being on the show, and and good to be back. Thank you. And, you know, we put our heads together, you and Brittany and I, kind of, you know, what's a relevant topic right now? And, of course, there's a lot of things Mm -hmm. we could be talking about. Summertime is great, but it is on point right now with all the rain. And I don't mean to complain because we complain just as much when it's a drought, right? And we're not getting any rain, but it has been pretty wet these last few weeks. So thinking about what to do when your garden gets too much water. Folks are having trouble with runoff and mud and you know maybe disastrous builds that that they had done and they're just not really holding up with the water but i wanted to start with something a little more micro focused um a couple of calls earlier in the show that i that i promised i would ask you about um one in particular i think ryan was asking about his corn he said you know the corn stalks are just beat down by the rain other than trellising them, you know, that was a good idea, but what to do. And and other people's landscape plants, maybe perennials or something, that they're so distraught, they're laying down, they're they're in the mud. Are these things mm-hmm. going to rebound? And typically, hopefully, we've got good news for those folks, right? Yeah, you know, plants are tough, and they, you know, they will rebound, and they'll they'll bounce back up, and you, you got to give them a few days to, um, to kind of let them dry off and, and, and perk back up. Yeah, so so do be patient, folks. Don't think that it's a lost cause. You can see the difference between when the stem is bent, if you look really carefully, versus broken. Now, if it's broken, that's mm-hmm. probably something you're going to want to cut. But hey, the good news is a lot of the things that you may trim back right now, you know, be it necessary pruning or just having to do it because of storm damage, these things are going to leaf back out. They're going to they're going to mm-hmm. green right back up and be just fine. Absolutely, yeah. We're still early in the season, so plenty of time for things to uh, to kind of rejuvenate. Yes. So I wanted to think uh, larger scale um, landscape solutions maybe for drainage issues. So we've got you know mm-hmm. water that collects at the base of the driveway, always runs over a sidewalk, um, anything like that. You see this as part of the landscape architect team there at Pike Nursery, you know, y'all have the division where you can go in for folks and create the design and do the build and all of that. So that's always an option if we do have something really big, need French drains or things like that. But let's start with maybe some strategies of how we can deal with drainage issues and what you would do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, usually when I'm working with clients, the first um, few questions are, are around how big of a deal is it? You know, is this area drying out in the in the next 24 to 48 hours? And if it is, then, you know, it may not be a big deal. It's just part of, you know, having a landscape around your home. You're going to have some wet areas. But if it's not drying out or if it is problematic, then we can start to look at things like, um, you know, doing uh, dry stream beds, uh, getting the water to a point where it's not affecting the landscape, moving the water through the landscape. We can look at doing uh, some French drains or, or even piping down spouts. 
you know, uh, getting the water off your roof and down those downspouts, that there's a lot of water that comes off your roof. And, and um, you know, you've got to plan for that and do something with it and um, take it somewhere else in the yard so it can then uh, infiltrate and, uh, you know, recharge the aquifer. Absolutely. And maybe things that, like you're saying, maybe they're not that big of a deal, um, but we just have an area that stays muddy, takes a few days to dry out. Maybe giving mm-hmm. up on lawn, that's that's not necessarily a bad thing if you're just you know, trying to grow grass there and there's just too much runoff and it stays muddy and things like that. There are aesthetic ideas and ways that we can deal with that. Like maybe what would you suggest, like landscape ties or stepping stones or what do, what do we do? Yeah, you know, that's where, you know, if you've got an area that you can, you know, create a little walkway, you can uh, do that so you're not uh, having to deal with squishy lawn and and have some gravel to walk across, or you can completely embrace it and uh, maybe even look at doing a little bit of a rain garden. And, you know, we've got a lot of native uh, shrubs and things like that that deal with wet feet, like clethra and wax myrtle and, you know, things like that, that uh, will help to will survive in that area and look better than a muddy, patchy lawn area. And what do we do about areas of the lawn, Brian? And and I know, granted, we're just scratching the surface on this, not using any specific, Mm -hmm. for instances, but uh, where the soil just keeps eroding away and it's just kind of a lost cause, it's going to be a wash, no matter what they try to do, if they try to put grass seed or there's, you know, maybe like that netting that you can kind of put down first Mm -hmm. to hold seed in place. But at what point do we just give up and maybe just go with the flow on that? Yeah, and I, I like that. I'm sure that was a pun intended. But, <laughs> I'm, um, I'm wittier at 8 o'clock than I am at 6 a.m., trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a matter of just, you know, accepting it, acceptance. That's the that's the first step. Um, and oftentimes, uh, you know, these, these areas that grass isn't growing, I find more times than not, it coincides with shade. So we have a lot of runoff, and then we have a lot of shade, and then the grass starts to uh, to disappear. And then it's time to, to come up with a design that will, you know, embrace that and, you know, reduce the amount of grass space and increase the amount of bed space. And that's where we look at doing, um, you know, some plantings and maybe even, you know, a dry stream bed is always a, a great idea. And, and that's a, you know, kind of a... a shallow swale that's got rocks and boulders and you can really make something you know a really nice element in your landscape with that and then when the rains do come that gives the water a place to uh to move through without creating too much disturbance in the landscape i love that i was talking with some colleagues i really enjoy the conversations i could have with coworkers that have known me for 12 years but now they're more garden-oriented than I have this show. So talking with Chris Chandler sure. in the news department, Steve Craig over at 97 One the River, you know, dealing with, with wet spots and things like that. And they have finally come to the conclusion in some cases of using river rock mm-hmm. or pebbles or something mm-hmm. maybe as a border, a wide border around a garden bed mm-hmm. or, you know, to, yeah. to kind of just work with it and deal with what you have. And really, they've shown me pictures. That's a nice look. And it's practical, it's too. A, it is. It is. It's a nice look. And, and you know, it's, it's nice whether it's raining or whether it's dry. And um, I, for one, I, I love dealing with water on the surface rather than piping it underground. You know, when you can see it moving on the surface, then you know it's going where it's supposed to go. And, um, you know, when you pipe it, and sometimes you have to pipe it, there's no other alternative, but sometimes those can get clogged. Sometimes they get collapsed or, you know, chewed through by chipmunks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to see things move where they're supposed to move above ground is great. 
And, um, you know, I, I tell all my clients that those river rocks, they, there's a maintenance to that as well. And, you know, once a year or so, it's good to get a pressure washer out and, and maybe clean those and uh, get all the dirt and grime and, and sediment that's built up on those river rocks to, to make sure that system continues to run smoothly. Good advice. Good advice. And one more thing I wanted to ask you about, too. We're talking about the warm, humid conditions and it's staying wet, so that can bring on disease. And um, my friend from the University of Georgia, Clint Waltz, actually sent me a picture this morning. Hey, remind people, be on the lookout for dollar spot, you know, a disease in lawns mm-hmm. common in Bermuda and Zoysia lawn. Do you have any advice for folks that may be dealing with that? Yeah, you know, with all this, all the rain and the wet, you know, best advice is to take pictures, take some clippings of the plants, you know, if leaves are yellowing, bring them into the nursery and uh, let one of our associates help you out with maybe a fungicide or or some um, some ideas that might help with uh, resolving those issues. That's going to be your easiest bet, guys, is pikenursery.com and finding the store near you. And uh, Brian Albini, registered landscape architect with Pike Nursery, I want to give you the opportunity to tell folks about the landscape design services at Pike. You guys are kind of with your customers every step of the way, no matter how little they want to do or how big of a project they want to take on. That's right. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, now's a great time to, to kind of beat the fall rush and to, to get that landscape design done and, and maybe even installed so you can enjoy it in the cooler weather. But we take you from, you know, step one of, of kind of working and w- walking around with you and, and looking around your property and, and seeing what you want to work on to coming up with a, a design for a specific area or an entire master plan. And then if you need help with the installation, we've got great Pike certified installers that um, we can work with to, uh, to implement the design and create that garden of your dreams. And, um, you know, I am, I'm with you every step of the way. So whether it's uh, starting off with some uh, design and then uh, when we're actually building a project, I, I meet with you on site with the installer and, make sure we're all on the same page and make sure it gets uh, implemented correctly. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you do have something in mind and in a garden you've always dreamt of, you know, you share that with Pike and you communicate that. And, and first of all, you know, Brian, you'll tell them if it's even possible or not. But if it's not, it's OK. You work together to come up with a plan. Um, and then mm-hmm. for folks not looking to spend a lot of money, they're pretty much overall happy with what they've got in the landscape. But Pike's pick and plant services. Yes. Uh, so we've got a couple different ways to handle that, and those are that's exactly correct. And the pick and plant service is great for folks that just need you know three or four or five of this, and and then they're done. And, and you know they can come in and purchase plants and purchase the uh, the install of those plants right there that day at the register, and that'll get scheduled within a few weeks to get done. And then uh, you know our full blown design service. Um, I love to get people's um, Brain dump is what I call it. Like you, you've been you've been fantasizing over this for the last however many months or years, and let me hear what you're thinking about. And then, if I need to squash a dream or two, I will, and make sure that you get the the correct uh, advice and not just the advice of of what you want to hear. So it can be successful uh, in the future. Absolutely. So Pike does everything for you, except guys. This is one important thing you cannot forget when you plant a tree, you plant a shrub. 
anything, you've got to keep it watered. And that is more important now than ever. So Pike doesn't come over and water them for you, but they've done all the work. You've got to stay on top of that. But then again, of course, if for whatever reason a tree or shrub dies, you've purchased it at Pike Nursery, you saved your receipt, guess what? Lifetime guarantee. Right, Brian? Absolutely. Yeah, we do have a lifetime guarantee. And, you know, actually, when we do the installs, I'll give you uh, written watering instructions. So oh. I, I get you like 98% there, <laughs> then you just got to turn the hose on. Yeah, that's not um, hard. <laughs> but yeah, there's nobody out there that can beat our, our lifetime guarantee on trees and shrubs. That's great. Well, Brian, you've been most helpful this morning. I'm glad you're back on the show, and it won't be that long before we have you back again. We have a lot of topics we could cover, so I'm excited to have spoken with you today. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Love to uh, to be back again, and, and next time we'll do it in the studio. I love that. Thank you, Brian. Take care. Have a great Independence Day holiday. Again, you can find Brian and the like, all of his knowledgeable folks at pikenursery.com. Find the store near you or right there on the homepage, the link to the landscape design services. I think we've got time really quickly for Ruth. She's been so patient calling from Jackson, Georgia. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning, Ashley. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I have a blueberry patch. I have it fenced in so that the deer don't get it and whatever. Um, I had it for about five years and had no trouble. And this year, my plants failed to blossom Mm. and they didn't get any leaves. They look alive. Um, the, The stems are green. Good. Now, is, is this a, a, an area kind of where maybe just over the course of these five years, the trees around it have gotten larger and larger, so much so that you're really not getting as much sunlight as you used to? No. No, it's it's pretty much got ideal sun. Okay. That, that there aren't trees that, that overgrow it. It's And it's up on a hill, so it's not getting a lot of water. I did do soaker hoses and then covered it with pine straw. Good. And I fertilized them four times a year. I checked my soil, and it's way on the alkaline side. Mm-hmm. And it didn't used to be, and I know berries need the acidic a little more. Yep. So, number one, I want to know if you have any ideas why they just didn't do anything. And then number two, what can I do? I don't want to put fertilizer on if that's going to burn them and kill them. Yeah, and, and at this point, you know, fertilizer may not help. We're so late in the season um, with blueberries that once they're kind of on their way out, you know, we don't need to fertilize. But Ruth, I can't tell if environmentally something may have changed. You were smart to get a soil test done. Um, that is certainly an important step. I would check out the Master Gardeners and the county extension um, for your area. Call 1-800-ASK-UGA-1. 1-800-ASK-UGA in the number one. Um, get get through to your local county extension because they may have uh, a good publication for you. My next thing would be some rejuvenation pruning. And they've got a great publication on properly pruning the canes of blueberries and things like that. Um, yeah, one of my recommendations might have been fertilizer. But in this case, I think you're right. If you were doing it four times a year, we're past the point now. Um, environmentally, something's going on. So I think maybe the county extension agent would be able to pinpoint that for you. But as long as the stems are green, you know, you're bending them a little bit, scraping them with your fingernail, you do see that green and, and it gives rather than just brown and it's breaking off. 
They're still there. They're still alive. So don't give up on them, Ruth. Good luck. Check back with me once you hear from them. Let me know if environmentally there might be something that we're missing. 404-872-0750. Some final thoughts and a comment about lilies. Next, you're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Very easy to relay uh, Kirk Mellish and Brad Nitz weather forecast to you, brought to you by Finley Roofing. It's sunny today, tomorrow, highs between the mid-80s and the low 90s, so it's going to be great for your July 4th holiday. And, you know, I wanted to comment a little further on Ruth's issue with the blueberries. Now, granted, she's having some problems with them not even leafing out, but if you've had problems this year just with production and your yield wasn't as high as you would like, that is when we do recommend using fertilizers. And Ruth was very good doing that regimen three or four times a year. You can start as early as like February, March when they're putting on the new growth. That's a great time to start fertilizing. I personally use organic slow-release fertilizers like cottonseed meal, like malorganite. You can put on the cottonseed meal pretty thick, almost a fourth of an inch uh, at the base, and that's going to be slow release. The blueberries like that. And you always have to buy... To, like the varieties that do, do well here are rabbit eye and high bush. You've probably heard those. But then for rabbit eye, if you get rabbit eye blueberries, you need at least two different varieties of that to cross-pollinate. So definitely ask someone at the nursery. Make sure you're in line to get the right thing. But having more than one is a great idea. Different types, and you're going to be good to go. I wanted to squeeze David in from Tucker because he had a great call. Good morning. Hey, David. Hey, uh, making it quick, our lilies or any type of lily toxic to cats you're always thinking david i love that and i think that's a really important question and i have uh, bookmarked the fda's website because this does come up quite often yes anything in the true lily family is poisonous to cats and just can cause all kinds of issues with kidney failure and leading to almost immediate death in cats so we want to keep all of our house plants and our pets and things safe, but have some symbiotic relationship if you can enjoy all of them. So anything from the true lily family, what that means and how you're going to know is when the scientific name starts with lilium. Anything that starts with lilium is going to be that true lily family. So yes, as you would think, that runs the gambit. The Asiatic lily, day lily, Easter lily. Man, I shared pictures of most of these on my website or on uh, the Green and Growing Facebook page. Tiger lily and oriental. There's oriental and Asiatic. Um, Those true lilies, yes, are definitely going to be a problem for cats. So I'm really glad you asked about that, David. That's super important. Thank you so much for the call. For those of you that didn't get in, search Facebook, Green and Growing WSB. You can find me there. And as I've been on the air, a couple of you have already sent me messages. I will try my best to get back to you today. If not, Early in the week, I do take Sunday off. Sunday, I'm just like checked out. Um, But my thanks to Walter Reeves for being on, Mark Banta from Piedmont Park. Our latest guest was Brian Albini from Pike Nursery. Great conversation about dealing with all of the rain and how we're going to make our landscape be the best that it can. I've got Greg with me this morning, Corey and John here in studio. I've had a fun show with you. I hope you have a safe and very happy July 4th Independence Day holiday. Go enjoy all of the festivities. Do so safely. And keep up with them at WSB Traffic on Twitter for any traffic jams, crazy traffic backups that you may see traveling around this holiday weekend. And if you're headed to Hartsfield-Jackson, you better know to give yourself extra time. 
to get through security. I think they're expecting like 3 million people to pass through the airport this weekend. Goodness. Safe travel, travels. Happy Independence Day. I'll be back on Channel 2 Action News and WSB Radio for you Monday morning with Triple Team Traffic. Take care. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.